We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, it is Ben. Just dropping you guys a quick note before we get to this week's interview with Tarye. I just wanted to apologize for the audio quality of the interview with GM Lev Albert. For whatever reason, the recording equipment did funky stuff and it sounded worse than usual. I apologize. The good news is we did post an improved version later in the week. Listener to and supporter of the podcast, Tyron Ross, volunteered to help clean it up and make it sound better, and he did just that. So thank you, Tyron. And just know that if you tried to listen on Tuesday and turns it off, you can re-download it and listen again, and it does sound a bit better. We still have colds and accents, but I mean, come on, it's Lev Albert. You got to hear what he has to say. The other thing is that next week's episode might be late. It might not come out Tuesday. It might be Wednesday or Thursday, but it should be coming. So other than that, all is well with me. I hope you guys are doing well too. Enjoy this interview. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We've got another great guest this week. He is kind of the the king of uh, chess media. He had just crossed over 10,000 followers on Twitter, so anyone who's on Twitter knows him well, and you've probably come across his work on his website, Matt and Pat, or his pictures on other chess websites, um, chess player as well, of course, uh, So, th- and just back from, from some traveling. So thank you for joining us, Tarje Svensson. Thanks, Ben. It's uh, it's an honor to be on your podcast. Well, well, it's an honor to have you. You're such a, a pillar of the chess community, traveling all over the world. And, and just yesterday, you managed to break some news. So we're recording this on Wednesday, and it's not coming out until uh, the following Tuesday. But I think this will still be fairly topical. So, so this is kind of a typical day for you. But you tweeted that sources tell you that the FIDE Rapid and Blitz World Championship doesn't look like it's going to happen. And you also tweeted that the Norwegian... Um, television station nrk has picked up the world championship through 2027 so it seems like you have some good sources tarye yeah well there are things that i i have the advantage of living in uh, in norway where uh, 
the the media, the, the mainstream media, actually do quite a lot of uh, chess journalism, or or actually just journalism on on things that are related to Magnus Carlsen. So I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily have my own sources, but much of it I I basically just share from Norwegian media. Yeah, and since Nor since Norwegian isn't a very broadly spoken language, you're also able to provide services like uh, translating that little interview exactly. that came out with Magnus and think, yesterday. And I think much of much of the articles that is being shared by me, they wouldn't be picked up by the international chess community if I hadn't shared them. So that's that's something I like. I like to to contribute the best I can. Yeah, one of the many great services you provide. You also travel far and wide. We had a chance to meet a few months ago in person at the uh, charity chess event, the fun event in New York that we both attended. And you you told me that I, I had thought, like I knew about your website, Matt and Pat, which um which we'll talk about and which a lot of listeners I think will have come across. But I didn't know exactly like uh, how your your business works or how what your working life is like. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about like how you balance that with chess reporting? Well, uh, the most common question uh, I get when uh, when I travel around and meet people and they know about my website is. Uh, uh, how do you make money? I guess it's it's uh, quite a, a, a big issue in the chess world because it isn't that easy to, to make money uh, about, from just writing about chess. But I actually I actually have um, I have a normal job uh, and it's quite it's quite flexible. Uh, I, I work as um, I work as a front editor. We we have. I'm, I'm working for a, a big news site. Uh, we are, we are a bit unique in the, in the Norwegian media. Uh, we we aggregate news. We don't write our own news, but we publish the news on our own front page and direct traffic to other sources uh, from all over Norway, like local newspapers, national newspapers. All kinds of news, like entertainment news, uh, and just any kind of news, basically. So that's what I do, and and my my working schedule is quite flexible. Um, that I have I have shifts. Sometimes I work in evenings, and sometimes I I have off. So I'm able to to combine that with uh, traveling around and and writing about chess. Yes, which which often you just do basically. Um you know, in order to provide a service to the community, not not related to your work, correct? Yes, exactly. And, and that's also one way that I am so updated because my job is to to follow the news all the time, basically. Right. Yeah, I was uh, thinking when you said that you work for a news aggregator, that's sort of what, yeah. you, what you described doing in the chess world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... I Whenever something is written in Norwegian media about uh, Magnus Carlsen or, or anything else, I'm I'm usually picking it up uh, pretty quickly if I if I haven't written it myself. Yeah. So uh, so that's that's an advantage, and that's one reason why I want to contribute and, and, and get it out instead of yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't be be picked up at all. I think. Right, and 
And as I told you when, when we met, I mean, my jaw kind of hit the floor when I found out that, that you don't get paid for your chess work because you're because you work so hard. You take it so seriously. I mean, you know, obviously we see your coverage at a lot of events, but I'll also just see you with your camera in the background on like a chess.com picture or something like that. Like you manage to go to a lot of events. You take it very seriously. Um, you're well connected. So um, I just want to thank you. I mean, it's 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 so so generous of you to to do that with your time yeah i well i i do have i do have some income from from chess jobs so to say i sometimes i write articles uh, sometimes i work for various newspapers when they uh, when they hire me for events like i was hired by by the biggest commercial channel tv2 during um norway chess tournament and I was I've been hired during in the New York when during the the World Championship match I was hired by by one of the largest newspapers uh, in Norway Dagbladet. So so when when I get such uh, jobs then I try to bring that back into chess. Uh, sometimes I hire um, I hire Jonathan Tistel to write some articles in English. He's he's very popular articles actually. Yeah, those articles are fantastic. And this, since you brought them up, we have a few good questioners, questions from supporters of the podcast. Uh, but, right. I'm, but I might as well drop this one in right now since, since you brought up uh, Grandmaster Tisdall's name. Um, a question from Greg Smith who says, Hello, Tarjay. Will Jonathan Tisdall be writing about the World Championship match for Matt and Pat? A few weeks ago, I saw some exchanges on Twitter that made it seem that he wouldn't. His articles are excellent. Yeah, well, I would love to have Jonathan write for Mountain Path. Um, he's he's such um, he's such a, an, an awesome awesome chess writer, and and uh, and uh, the articles that he writes are the ones that are most read on my site. And during the New York match, uh, Carlson Kayakin, uh, his 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 final report was is still the most read article I've ever had. Uh, so, so I would, I would really love, but, but the question is, uh, Jonathan, he, he deserves to be paid. Yes, um, for sure. Uh, and, uh, so, so the question is always money, but I, I think there is, I think there is a chance, uh, that he will write something. I, I don't know if, if there's anything official yet. Um, uh, I don't know if anything I can say, but I'm pretty sure that we will see if not, Every round that we will see some reports by him. Okay. Uh, if it's if it's not by me, it will be on some other platform. Okay. Sure. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good to hear. And I mean, yeah. ju- just generally, both. I mean, something I wanted to talk about because obviously I have a, a Patreon page that yeah. ena- that enables me to keep this podcast going, yeah. and that's sort of uh, I would say the way the wind's blowing with independent media. Um, yes. So that's a possibility both for you long term, but also something like this, like a sort of one off thing where, you know, yeah. ch- chess fans just love his coverage. Maybe you could also consider a Kickstarter campaign. I know that actually, that I- actually, we have been, been talking about it that for quite some time. And and uh, that's definitely something that should be set up. Uh, he's, he's a freelancer, so he. Yeah, he needs he needs such kind of things to uh, to do. Now I think there's a chance that he will write more because he's he was just hired as the co-editor of the Norwegian Chess Magazine. Oh, awesome! So, uh, I, I I didn't talk to him, but but I think there's a chance that we will even see him in London uh, on 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 the scene, if not during all the tournament, at least parts of it. 
Excellent. And for listeners looking for, you know, you guys with your insatiable appetite for chess books, anyone who hasn't read uh, Jonathan Tisdale's old school classic, Improve Your Chess Now, I recommend you check that out. I know that I've seen some people asking him on Twitter, when you're writing another chess book, when you're writing another chess book. Uh, And so for those who don't know that book, check it out, especially I would say uh, 1800 to 2300-ish rating range, something like that. Um, but getting back to London, are you are you gonna make the trip this year? Well, it's like um, it's it's such a short it's such a short trip uh, this time, so uh, I I have to be there. Obviously. Excellent, yeah. The, the question is uh, how long um, I will be there. I'm, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I've been I've been the last three matches. Uh, I've been staying for two weeks. Like I've I've skipped the first week and then I've been staying for the last two weeks, so I've got to see most of the games, got to follow most of the games from from uh, from the scene. But but this time I'm not so sure. But in worst case, it will be uh, only the last week, so I get to see the last three four games or something. It all depends whether I will be hired by by someone else, whether I will get some support. Okay. Well, yeah. um, if anyone is listening who's in a position to hire hire him, we we put in a good word. We need we need to have your boots on the ground there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It would be great, and it must be interesting for you to be there because, I mean, chess fans all over the world follow these events, but but it's really a small contingent of people that are like on the circuit, as you would say. So it must be um, an interesting perspective traveling the world and then seeing sort of the same thirty people uh, in so many places. Yeah, well, it isn't. It isn't even thirty people. Like sometimes when I go to tournaments, it's only like when you go to a press room. I'm. It's sometimes I'm. I'm uh, me. It's me and Peter Doggers from Chester. <laughs> right. Town. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. So it's it's incredible how small the chess wall actually is. Yeah, it is amazing. I know that. Yeah, Mike Klein takes the sort of U.S. trips, and Peter Doggers. Yeah. Uh, does europe so yeah and he's another one that like if he's not the one taking the picture um or if it's not someone else from chess.com then you might see him in the picture Um, yeah but 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 i still felt that it's it's something special to just be there and and see the all the guys and and that's that's one reason why i i felt it was it was so nice to travel around and and just try to yeah attend the tournaments and and get a close close look on the on the on the on the big guys yeah, and of course, because you because it is such a small contingent, you've you've um, you know, tweeted pictures of you playing these crazy board games that these super GMs play, and you know, grabbing drinks and stuff like that. So, do you get a chance to sort of uh, fraternize with uh, with uh, the chess players you're covering much? Yeah, some some of them. Some of them are um, I'm on I'm on good terms with. The others are yeah. There are there are people who are like some of the top guys are very friendly. And uh, hang around with, with journalists and uh, and so on, and that yeah, that happens sometimes. Sounds like you're being diplomatic in some respects. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, there are, <laughs> there are some people who during tournaments are very focused on the tournament itself, and they don't go out. They just spend. They mostly spend their time on the rooms, and that's that's understandable. After all, they are professionals, and others like likes to be social and. Uh, that's that's nice for us journalists and uh, fans. Yeah, because it's a little less intense for the journalists, like uh, exactly to, to unwind at the end of the night when you don't have to prepare to play, like uh, you know, Levana Ronian or, or Magnus Carlsen the next day. Exactly. Uh, 
And speaking of whom, Magnus, of course, from from the same country as you, so you guys go go way back. Um, in fact, in, in my intrepid research for this, uh, I accidentally uncovered a chess game from 2001, the the ta- the famous uh, Svensson Carlson game. That's right. <laughs> so actually, actually, I have two games against Magnus. Uh, same you, time you may, frame, or I, I have two two classical games against him. The first one I played against him was in the Norwegian. <coughs> excuse me, in the Norwegian Junior Championship under twenty. Um, yeah. That's the one I found. Yeah, two thousand yes. one. Yeah, but but I have two. Uh, but, but I will tell you about the first one. That one I lost horribly. He was he was ten. Uh, and he was he was a huge talent back then. Of course, he wasn't like he was, yeah, the biggest talent we've had. But he wasn't like I don't think we we thought like world champion at that time. But anyway, he, he crushed me. But I played him. Now I I have to I have to look this up. I think it was two thousand and five. I played him again, uh, and I had a winning position. Oh wow. I was and, in the uh, in the Gestal big tournaments, and he made one of his his best performances there. But I played him; I think it was in the second round, and and I had I had got a really really good position. He was around twenty five eighty, I think. So, um, and uh, it was it was like yeah, I, I could get an exchange, but basically, if I had made the best moves. Uh, I, I was obviously in t- time trouble. If I made the best moves, I would have a completely winning position. That that's impressive. I mean, yeah, I remember. I could I could see him shaking. I could see him that he was he was nervous and he he wasn't satisfied with the game. But then then uh, it happened what usually happened in these ca- cases that I got nervous. I got low on time and I eventually lost. And I guess at this point with him being 25 80 and uh, 13 or 14 you, you guys you guys knew he was on a um, pretty strong trajectory. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and he, he finished that tournament. I think he had like 8 8 out of 9, 8 and a half out of 9 and he made a really good performance at that time. But it's it's a nice memory uh, of course. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of which, we have a funny story from a friend and supporter of the podcast, Brian Karen, who wrote in but didn't share a question but just a story. So he says, uh, this isn't so much a question but a story your listeners might enjoy. Way back before either player was well-known, Tarje and I had a debate in the ICC Administrative Channel. That's the Internet Chess Club, for those who don't know. I said, there's a kid in my club who's going to be world champion. Tarje said, there's a kid in my club who will be world champion. <laughs> we both debated each other for a while regarding whose kid was better. Over a decade or so later, I asked Tarje if he remembered this debate he had. My kid was Hikaru Nakamura. His was Magnus Carlsen. <laughs> actually, actually, I know Brian. He, <clears throat> I used to be on ICC a lot back in the days um didn't didn't we all (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely but but i i obviously when when he magnus played a lot on icc when he was kid uh from when he was like nine ten years old that's one of actually he, he said that this was this really helped him improve and so he was quite active so obviously me being an administrator i talked about this this amazing kid from Norway, and I guess they thought, ah, oh, yeah, sure, sure, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think they believed me, but but uh, at some point, I guess they realized, yeah, this 
this kid is actually special. Yeah, it's funny. And uh, I didn't have the same exposure level to Hikaru Nakamura that Brian did because I was from Philadelphia, which is um, about two hours away from New York. But I, but I, as I, when I had their stepdad's Sunil Wiramantri, I talked about this a little bit, but I would see Hikaru and his older brother, Asuka, who was also a prodigy of sorts around. And I knew that he was a special player, but I... That was back in the day in the U.S. where you would never yes. say an American player is going to be world champion because exactly. because we just we hadn't ascended with Fisher, of course, being the proverbial black swan that had done that. But generally, you're, you're not going to assume that an American player would be a world champion contender. And actually, I guess for Norway, it was the same thing. I mean, you're in Europe, which is sort of the the epicenter of the chess universe. But still, like you're off to the side. Uh, or, uh, exactly. Although exactly. no more, not off to the side anymore. No, no, uh, no. It's been uh, it's been uh, it's been incredibly changed. Uh, much of it is, is obviously thanks to Magnus, uh, Magnus uh, that helped it, helped the chess uh, helped the chess boom here in Norway. Yeah, and uh, yeah, back in the day when I had uh, you and Ludwig Hammer on, he gave a little perspective on on what the coverage is like. Would you say that? And that, so that was probably close more than a year ago. Would you say that anything has changed with the uh, ongoing chess boom in Norway? Well, um, cer- chess certainly gets a lot more a lot of coverage uh, during Magnus events. Uh, it tends to be maybe exaggerated at points at times, but uh, but during during the world championship, it's a totally different world compared to like the the just the main classical tournaments. During the the world championship, it's really huge because then it's uh, it's shown on NRK, the state broadcaster, which is by far the biggest uh, the biggest channel. Um, so then basically everyone are following his games, but it doesn't necessarily lead to more members coming to chess clubs. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of more people are playing chess and, uh, and, uh, so on. But I think, I think it is mostly, I think it has helped the online chess clubs more than it has helped the, the Norwegian, uh, chess federation. Huh. That's interesting because I know that I mean this this podcast is sort of uh, s- small beans in comparison, but I get a disproportionate number of listeners from Norway, at least in relation to the population. So yeah, uh, uh, I know that there's there's a few more chess aficionados there. So shout out to anyone <laughs> anyone in Norway listening. Which because of your presence, there'll probably be a few more of. Um, so who's announcing for NRK this year? Do you know? Uh, you mean the hosts? Uh, yeah, like when they broadcast to the World Championships this year. Um, are there any familiar chess names covering it? Uh, no, they actually have the same. They have they have the same. Uh, well, they have one chess commentator who has been the main commentator. Uh, who his name is uh, Tushtein Ba. He's an international master. He's the main commentator for the channel. Um, and then they have. And then they have. Um, they have the host, who has also been the same, and then they have one chess personality uh, and one celebrity. Okay. So they have a pretty standard setup for every 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 game, so to say. So that's probably one reason why it's been successful that they have this mix of various kinds of people uh, in in the in the show. And would you say that they they do a good job with it? Like, do you both? I mean. 
like hardcore chess fans always have quibbles with stuff that's presented to the mainstream. So how do you think they do presenting it? Well, hardcore chess fans are probably not a big fan of those, okay. those uh, shows. But they are also not going to show that, that the shows are not intended for the hardcore chess fans. Right. So how, are, do the, how do they approach complicated positions? Like how do they well, try? you can't go into analysis. You can't go into deep analysis. Because an, an, an average viewer won't un, be able to understand what's going on, so that's why they—that's actually one reason why they have been so successful. Why so many people are watching it? It's because it's likely for that reason that they're not going so much into details that probably and um, that you would see on Chess Twenty Four when you have these incredible complicated variations that. 99% of viewers will, won't understand what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, so, so it, it's really important for them. There is so much focus on the fact that you have to, you have to be able to explain, you have to, you have to stay on, on uh, something that is possible to understand for the average viewer. So how do they fill the time in these classical games? Because if you're not talking about variations, I mean, the games are so slow. So wh- what do they talk about? Well, they, they have... They have celebrity. They have one celebrity who has all kinds of chess stories. They have, they have a chess personality who talks tells stories. Um, they have a reporter on scene who does interviews. So he, he can walk around and and do interviews. So they are they are very good at filling the the, the time uh, for a game the last seven hours. You can imagine it. It's it's really hard. <laughs> But but they they are really good at it. They are they, they do all kinds of things, and there there are so many people working on this. <laughs> wow! I wish I that I could see like an English language version of it. Yeah, yeah. Like um, during the, the the Nakamura Nakamura Carlson match uh, in February, they had actually forty people uh, working on on uh, this match. That's incredible. Is, yeah, which is huge for for such a small uh, small match, actually. And do you have a sense of like how many people watch it as compared to a big football match or something like that? Uh, you you probably can't compare it directly to that. It's football is after all bigger, but but during during the big during the the the, the critical games, it's it's really big. And I think I, I don't remember the exact number now, but uh, I think uh, it can it was up to a one million. Up Man. to one million Norwegians and, uh, that are that have followed at least a couple of minutes, uh, like some parts of the of the match. And what's the uh, the rough population of Norway? Like, Five million. Wow, that's that's just mind-boggling. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be uh, so. They must be. It must be pretty eagerly anticipated right now. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be huge. And. Uh, I uh, and, and like I said, one of the reasons why chess has been so successful is uh, chess has been so successful the last few years is because NRK have covered it so great, especially the World Championship matches. They they are doing a really good job, and it's great to see as a chess fan. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, and of course, as we record this, the other topic. So I, I've been talking about the World Championship obviously almost every week yeah. uh, in anticipation. But we've also got the Olympiad coming right up. Are you going to um, manage to to sneak to Georgia at all, or are you going to sit that one out? 
I, I really wish that I could attend an Olympiad uh, again, but uh, I uh, have pretty used up my uh, my travel quota uh, for for the year. Uh, well, I have I have London left, and that's that's what I have to focus on. Uh, but, but I will I will definitely be be following it uh, as close as as I can. Yeah, and I guess uh, rooting for Norway, despite the fact that they're not bringing uh, Magnus or or Jun Ludwig Hammer this year. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not as not as strong as uh, it could have been, but it's still uh, a pretty decent team. So, uh, um, so we'll we'll see how well they will do this time. Yeah, you guys have a lot of juniors making a lot of noise in the chess world. Yeah, they are uh, they are really up and coming. Uh, just uh, last month, we had got another grandmaster who also who almost scored a silver medal at the World Junior Championship now. Johann Sebastian Christiansen, which was very impressive, and <clears throat> they are basically they are basically um, a result of uh, Carlson's success. And there were a lot of strong juniors that that came uh, after he uh, after he uh, uh, became well, that be- became strong or really started studying and and improving uh, during his uh, his rise to number one in the world. Yeah, the, that makes sense. Um, okay, so we have another question from a supporter of the podcast. This one is from Jason Woolham, who said, yep. uh, recently from following you on Twitter, you were giving a lot of analytics for the upcoming World Championship match between Carlson and Caruana. As an analytics junkie, I wanted to know if there was a place we could go to find these kinds of stats. That's a great question, actually, because I've... it would. One thing that has been lacking is all these statistics. Uh, you could you could actually you could actually get a lot of information from from uh, Chessbase, which is what I'm using. Uh, but there is not one particular site with uh, statistics. You would have to you would have to you would have to dig it up. Okay, which uh, is which is what you did. Yeah. Um, so, so that is something that is missing, definitely missing. It would be yeah. very nice to have. Yeah, some sort of uh, big database. But for listeners who didn't see it or just want a refresher, I'll actually share a couple of them from your thread. So uh, classical score between Carlson and Caruana. Um, Carlson is plus 10 equal 18 minus 5. So he won five more games than he lost. I'll skip the blitz and rapid, although that may come into play. We'll right. see. Um, you've got their performance ratings uh, from 2017 to 18, which was Carlson at 28.24 and Caruana at 27.98. And then in 2018 alone, Carlson's performance rating 28.42, Caruana 28.19. So something like that I felt like gave me really good perspective because I feel like Caruana is so ascendant and you know at the peak of his uh, of his game. And you know we've had guest after guest basically saying. Don't discount him. You know he's uh, he's playing as well as anyone, but statistically, it's you know still twenty point difference, which at that level is a lot. Yeah, uh, it is. It is. It is uh, clear from the statistic that Carlson overall have had um, a slightly higher performance. But to be fair to Corona, he had one really poor performance in January, which kind of ruins his uh, his uh, performance uh, overall performance. So if if you if we could exclude the first tournament of the year, 
if we could start in February, uh, then Karana would actually be on top of the of the list. Yeah, well, as the saying goes, if you torture the data enough, you can get it to confess to anything. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but my point is just that Karana has had an incredible year. Is is probably I would say he has been the best player of the year uh, overall. He has won. Is it five tournaments now that he has won? Uh, don't put me on the spot like that, Targay. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, unacceptable. Carlson, no, Carlson has won three tournaments and Corona has won four. Okay. Including the one that they, they shared in the Sinkful Cup. Okay. But in any so, event... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's, what I've, that's what makes the, the, the match so exciting. That you have this, this, uh, this clash between number one and number two in the world. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's a tough one to handicap. I mean, that's why we find it so compelling to talk about, and it's coming up soon. Um, so let's talk a bit about about your own chess game, Tarje. So we talked briefly about your your brushes playing Magnus Carlsen, and I know I've seen on Twitter that you you do make the occasional getaway to play in like a big open tournament. So what's going on with your game? Do you you're rated around twenty one hundred feet? Do you have any ambitions right now? Do you get to study at all? Well, that's the thing. When when you travel as much as me to follow events, then you don't get to play as much yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of wish that I, I play more tournaments. I last played in Barcelona last year. Yeah. Um, I, I played the, the Open tournament, which I like. I played it three times. I kind of like when, when, I, when I play tournaments, I like to play somewhere where I can combine it with... Uh, with a uh, holiday that I can combine it with having a good time and and uh, during the summer, but uh, uh, sometimes I have other priorities, like yeah, like traveling to Brazil that I did now. So I I really I really try to play. Um, I play some club events. Um, I play some some blitz during. Uh, there are places in Oslo where I can play blitz, and I play for my local club. But uh, the big tournaments, like the open tournaments, unfortunately, uh, time is limited, which is uh, not only a problem for me, but for many other chess fans. Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, you're, you're providing such a service to the, the chess community with the reporting you did. So it might be good for your chess game if you'd stop doing that and focused on it, but it'd be bad for the rest of us. So Yeah, yeah. I, w- I will definitely try to play some tournament again, but uh, it's, it's, hard to, uh, it's hard to know in advance. I just have to see what happens. So did you sneak any chess in in your trip to Brazil? No, I, I. It was just. Uh, it was just relaxing. Actually, uh, I didn't get to. I, I know they have a chess club there, but uh, what I heard is that they actually had to close because there was no money left. Oh, yeah, that, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um. So, where did you go in in Brazil? I went to. Uh, I went to the fifth largest city, which is uh, uh, Recife. Ah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. It's they have they have one grandmaster who is from. That area, I'm not sure if he's from actually from Recife, but uh, uh, they only have they only have a small small uh, chess club. But it's it was a beautiful city, and uh, for a Norwegian, uh, it's it's great to to travel to such a, a nice country uh, as um, as uh, Brazil. I've never been there before, and it was it was warm, beautiful, nice beaches. It was perfect. Excellent. Yeah, and I'm guessing with your chess travels, you make it to Europe a lot, like various parts of Europe, but not so much to other parts of the world. 
Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, it's my it's not my first time in in Brazil and and uh, Europe. Yeah, all the time. There are so many events here, and uh, we are we are very fortunate here. Uh, I I I went to I went to India for um, in 2013 match, but uh, uh, besides that, I haven't traveled that much outside Europe. But uh, in these days, it's it's quite easy to to travel around. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a it's a good opportunity. It's a good good time to to be able to to get from place to place fairly cost efficiently. Um, right. But let's uh, let's let's talk chess improvement. So. Um, I think that you, you know, despite you're being, um, you know, more on the level of me than a, than a grandmaster. I think we have a lot of listeners who would like to attain the level of twenty one hundred. And plus, just generally, you know, you know so much about the chess world that I'm sure people would like to hear uh, your favorite media resources or your favorite chess books or, or any uh, tips or advice you have for listeners. Well, I um, I definitely follow news a lot. Uh, I like I talked about. I my big passion is it's just journalism in general, which is which there isn't uh, that much. Uh, there isn't that much of, of chess journalism in the chess world. So I I follow chess.com. I, I like what uh, I like what Peter Doggers is doing and uh, Mike Klein, of course. Uh, they are like the site itself focusing on chess journalism. That that's that's very good. Uh, that's what I, I really like. Nice. And what about like formative chess books? What were your favorites uh, as a as a when you were more actively competing in chess? Yeah, I, I have a lot of chess books. Uh, unfortunately, I don't get to read them that much as right. I should have. <laughs> but I one of my my favorites when I really tried to improve and and, and worked a bit was understanding chess move by move. Is that John uh, John Nunn or is that yeah the John Nunn book? Yeah, a few people have mentioned his move by move series. I I really like that because that was that was a that was a quite unique book at that time and and I thought that it was it was so nice how he explained everything uh like every move. Uh <clears throat> There was a move that I, I liked a bit. Yeah, um he he's uh he's an incredible uh incredible author. Yeah. And, and I know uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and also, I, I like the puzzle books. Um, there are there's so many, like, just in, in general, to, to go through all these puzzles, to read them um, while traveling or something. It's like, there is this, um, it's, it's a Russian book called uh, uh, Combinative Motives by ah, Yeah, the legendary book. Yeah, that, that's also one of my, my favorites. I think I've gone through that several times. It, it's a great book because puzzles really... It's it's something that every every chess fan should should uh, should do uh, to to solve puzzles. Yeah, I, that, like I lost my copy of that book somewhere along the day along the way, and that book that came before the sort of you know um, tidal wave of chess tactics materials before there were online training, and even before there were so many good tactics books like uh, like Perfect Your Chess and um, you know and uh John Nunn's puzzle book which is another good one but Mikhail Blocks that's sort of like that's the the classic I actually lost that book myself <laughs> but funny I, yeah I lost it myself so I had to buy it again Is it still in print do you know I mean I'm sure it can be tracked down but I think I bought, bought it on Amazon Yeah okay I'll I'll take a look uh and see if it's still up there Yeah there is there is a, a new edition actually I 
And and one of the first pages has has a picture of uh, a very young Alexander Grishuk on it. Oh, really? That's funny. All yeah, right, tar- it's it's the author, the author of the book um, Block with uh, um, I think Grishuk is like uh, ten or eleven years old. That's that's incredible. All right, yeah. Tarjay, I warned you this might happen. My uh, my son Henry is ready to make his perpetual chess debut. Henry, can you say hi? Hi. Okay. Hi, Hey, he said hi. He said hi back. He he can't hear, but uh, we're and Henry. How do you get better at chess? How does someone get better at chess? Or did you want to say something else? Okay, he wants to say something else. Come here, Henry. Talk into the mic. Have you ever seen my best friend Wolfos podcast? <laughs> he's no, talking. <laughs> All right, he's talking about his stuffed dog Wolf Wolf. He's uh. <laughs> Changing the topic, yeah, because I have a podcast. His stuffed dog also has a podcast. So, Henry, you have no chess improvement advice? Okay, no chess improvement advice. All right, so <laughs> thank you, Henry, for that cameo. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll bring it back to chess. Um, so do you uh, keep up with – I saw that – I think it was during the Olympiads, but it was during some big event that the chess bras were covering. You, you made a donation to them. So I guess you managed to uh, consume some chess broadcasting in your, your limited downtime as well, Tarye. Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, they do a great job, and I know that they're gearing up for the Olympiad as well, although some of them will be playing. I'm, I, not all of the announcing teams for the various media outlets have been announced yet, So, but I, I'm – you know, that one's coming up very shortly, so I'm excited yeah, to check it out. Yeah, that's definitely going to be exciting, and uh, I, I like what the Chess Bros are doing. Uh, they actually created their own channel, and uh, it's it's really successful, and uh, it, it's great what they're doing. I really yeah. like it, which is why I also supported it. Yeah, it's great for chess and uh, entertaining to boot, and you can even, even learn a thing or two while you're at it. Exactly. So you've got the world championship coming up. Is that the extent of your chess travels the rest of this year, Tarje? Yeah, I, I sometimes think that, okay, this is going to be my last travel, but then I end up going to another travel anyway. Yeah. So, I... Yeah, so there aren't that many possible tournaments left, but um, I, I, I won't miss, I won't miss, um, miss uh, the match, of course. Excellent. Well, Tarje, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's it's an incredible service, and I know that you don't get compensated for everything in, that you do. So if uh, if you ever reach a point where you you feel that it's, uh, I mean, I think it's certainly justified already, but if you feel that it's necessary, um, anything I can do to help, let me know. Um, you provide such a great service. I appreciate that, Ben, and I'll see. I I, I make a decent living from um, from my main job, which is why I'm able to uh, to do what I do and and travel around so much. Uh, otherwise, it it definitely wouldn't be possible. But um, it it would still at least be be good to be compensated for uh, the expenses because uh, uh, it's it's it is expensive to travel around in in even in Europe. So. I'm, um, I'm I'm doing fine at this moment, but we'll see what um, happens in the future. Okay. Um, and Tarye, is there anything else we, we should discuss before I let you go? Um, no, I think you covered uh, most of it. Okay. Excellent. And I think um, anyone who's on Twitter knows where to find you. Um, do you have like an email address you could share if anyone wants to reach you? Or if you'd prefer not to, that's fine too. 
Um, anywhere else you should be reached? Uh, well, I think the best way to reach me is on Twitter, actually. I, I do spend a lot of time on Twitter. I, I love it. And, and for, um, for, for chess, it's really good during the big events because there is so much, so much going on and uh, um, it, it has really helped the chess community, the, the Twitter sphere. Yeah, it's my favorite as well. I, I have a Facebook group, but generally my Facebook account is like pictures of my kids and Twitter is, is where I like to talk chess. Yeah, yeah. Twitter is really good for chess and, it, and it's uh, it's a place that everyone should be during the, the World Championship match. They don't have to contribute, but just to, to follow follow the people who, uh, who uh, like the, the, the important people on uh, during the match. Yeah, so of course they should follow you. For anyone who's new to Twitter, I know that that it's it's still a fairly small percentage of chess fans, I would say, are on Twitter, even though the people that are on it a lot, I, I think we kind of feel like we know each other at this point. So if anyone's listening and barely knows what it is or doesn't know who to follow, but besides yourself, who do you think, um, who would you recommend following for commentary on the, on the World well, Championship? First of all, you should definitely call, follow Jonathan Tistol. Yes. Uh, GMJ Tis, I think. I'll find it. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is Olympia Wirkan is one. Yeah, he's great. And he also has a Patreon page where he writes uh, great uh, historical uh, little articles of like obscure yeah. chess games from Zuckertot and, yes. you know, just yes. like, a lot, like of, a lot of chess history. But he's, he's also one of my favorites. And then. Obviously, you have the the big chess sites like Chess Twenty Four, Chess dot com, Chess Base, those kinds. Yeah, and for for listeners, even if even if you feel like you're not a social media person, like like Targay says, if you're sitting there watching the games uh, as you should be during the World Championship, I would recommend like just making a burner account <laughs> just to follow these five or six chess yeah. sets and, and keep track yeah. of the events and then forget about it when the tournament's over if you would rather actually be like living life which you, you yeah. get so much information uh, like inside information that you don't get anywhere else during the match uh, and it's it's really valuable uh, if you are a chess fan and uh, you like to know what's uh, going on Excellent. Okay, well, Tarye, uh, say hi to London for me when you do make it out there, and uh, and thanks a lot for joining us here. I will. Thanks, Ben. Thanks to friend of the podcast, Geert Vandervelt, for supplying the intro music. Thanks to my producer, Matthew Passy, as always. And thanks to everyone who supports the show by telling a friend or writing a positive review on your podcast platform. But most of all, I want to give thanks to those of you who've given financial support to the show. Without you guys, Perpetual Chess would not be possible. I also want to give special thanks to my Patreon and PayPal Perpetual Partners. This list continues to grow, which is a wonderful thing. It keeps the podcast healthy, keeps the episodes coming, and lets me dream up plans to improve the podcast over time. So special thanks go out to Adam Ralph, Adam Vrancouge, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Ali Morchetti, Andre Krizdwa, Brian Mullis, Carl Labans, I am Carlos Perdomo, Chad Hilton, Chad Oliver, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wainscott, Chris Shabris, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zilicki, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Lucas, Daniel Naylor, Daniel Schaefer, Daniel Vinay, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith, I am Elect, Donnie Ariel, Frank Tortoris, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, I am Greg Shahadi, 
Harish Srinivasan, GM Yaka Bagard of Quality Chess Publishing, James Bonastia, Jason Woolham, Jennifer Valens, Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, John Hartman, John Jernigan, WGM Jen Shahadi, Jens Green, Jerry Wells, John Thompson, Johnny McMenamin, WGM Katerina Nemkova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovutsky, Krishna Gop- Gopalakrishnan, Laura Boyavsky, Lech Ambriz- Ambrizkowski, I hope I did okay there, Lech, Leo Delgado, Lorraine Dore, Matthew Passi, Macaulay Peterson, Matthew Tedesco, Nate Salon, Nathan Webster, Pascal Charbonneau, Paul Sweeney, Paolo Santana, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Randy Temple, Ricky Grahava, Rob Lazorchek, Robert Steiner, Ryan Stone, Steiner Lima, Tatyav Abrahamian, Thomas Stonix, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Brennan, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Todd Bryant, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Victor Vrancouz, Zhao Chang, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks a lot, guys. Catch you all next week. Podcast Network.